We're continuing in our series, Supernatural. We're in week three today, and man, what a great way to experience the supernatural when we are in worship together, just feeling God's presence and power in that. It was wonderful to, to worship. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in, uh, in that time of, of, of worship every week. Uh, so grateful for you joining online as well. Always great to connect and know many of you that continue to let me know that you're watching every week and, and staying connected with what's happening at Meadow Park, supporting what's happening here. I'm so grateful and thankful for you. As we dive into today's topic, I think about this this supernatural. Why are we doing this theme? Because I think, um, at least for me, and I don't know if you're in that same place, is I'm kind of tired of only dealing with the natural. <laughs> the natural world is great. It's wonderful. God has given us all kinds of wisdom and, and abilities and skills and, and ways to navigate the natural world, but we want more. I want more. I want to experience God in the supernatural. As, as followers of Christ, we have the birthright to the supernatural. That's been given to us as followers of Christ to know that, that we were created by a God who loves us, who wants relationship with us. All throughout scripture, we see the hand of God in the supernatural interacting with, with mankind, with people. We see that in, in the, the birth of Christ that, you know, coming in, in a most fantastic way to this world, that the Son of God walked in this world. We see it in when we celebrate Easter of, of the resurrection from the dead in Christ and that we have that promise of eternal life. The supernatural is real and it's here and it's present. And we began talking about being hungry for more. That in this year, we don't just want to have natural plans, but what would it look like if we encountered God in some new and some fresh ways? What would it look like in your marriage? What would it look like in your finances? What would it look like in your family or at work? at school, on your teams, in your businesses, if God would really come in a fresh way into your place and into your space. And as a church, how can we experience that? We're hungry for more of that. So how have you guys been doing with the, uh, the, the memory verse? Whenever you hear memory verse, does that take you back? We want to remember this verse, Ephesians 3.20, a verse that I want all of us to know. And I hope that you, that you have it in your head and that you can say it with me. So I don't know, we're gonna, we, you guys want the cheat sheet on the back screen? Yes, a resounding yes. All right, guys, this is week three. We've got a couple more weeks of this series, all right? All right, we'll give you the cheat sheet, right? Now all glory, think about it. Now all glory to God. We're giving glory to God because he's able, right, to accomplish infinitely more. Did I skip something? Oh, you're not putting it up there. All right, you guys are looking at me. Now all glory to God who is able through his power at work within us, I forgot that line, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. All right, I could tell it wasn't up there because you guys weren't with me. So let's put it up there. Do we have it? We don't have it? Oh, we don't have it. Oh, oh, okay. All right, well, let's do it again then since we don't have it, all right? Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, okay? So that, that's the foundation, this idea that, that here's what we can ask or think is what we see in God saying, oh man, I can accomplish infinitely more than that through my power at work within you. And so we are calling on that power. We're looking for that. Last week we talked about miracles. Remember the definition of a miracle? Three words. Wow, <laughs> only God, right? Wow, only God, those moments where we could know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God was present, God was moving. It grows our faith, it stretches our, our, our trust in him. And so today as we, we continue to move on and, and we look at the, the natural world, how do we um, see God interacting? How can God interact? How do we ask him to do that? When we think about our, our, our lives, we need more than, than what's in front of us. When you think about places where, where you're dealing with health issues, don't you need God's presence? 
to maybe go beyond the natural and what you're able to do and where you're stuck and you go, man, I need super internet intervention from God into those relationships, into major decisions. How does that happen? So today what I want to look at is I want to look at uh, the supernatural provision. Part three today, supernatural provision, God providing. And I want to look at prayers, bold prayers. Today we're going to cover five prayers. We're going to cover lots of Bible stories, so I hope you have your seatbelts on because we're going to go through them. But, but what we're looking at is these five prayers. And by the time we leave today, you'll remember them better than Ephesians 3.20, hopefully. Uh, five prayers that are just uh, two or three words long each. But these are prayers that we can pray that, that, that shake and move the hand and the heart of God, that connect us to him in a way that, that allows the supernatural to engage in our world and in our lives. And so we want to look at these five prayers in just a moment. But when we look about, think about prayer, I'm sure there's some frustration that you've had. Anyone ever been frustrated in prayer? Let me guess, you prayed for something, you believed in something, you had faith for something, and it didn't happen the way you prayed. Any, anyone else besides me? Yeah, I think we've, we've all been there. I mean, if you tell me, if you're someone who's prayed and everything you've ever prayed for has happened, I want to talk to you because I've not met anyone, okay? And so that we have a, this tension with prayer sometimes. Then, then why doesn't God answer every prayer if he knows what we already need? And if he could just answer, why doesn't he do that? And we have this tension, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit at the end, too, today on, on how God does answer prayers and how God does answer every prayer. But I think about a time when, when we were a young couple, Shannon and I, and, and Miana was just a few months old, and, and we felt the call to go and plant a church in, in Arizona and to, to leave everything behind in Indiana. We had a, we had a good job at, at, at the church and steady income. We did, just purchased a, a house a, a year and a half or so ago that, that we loved, and, and it was time to move. And so there's this trust in God that he's going to provide, and we prayed, and and uh, we had to raise our own support and, and had organizations and churches that were helping us as well. And so we took this leap of faith and, and we listed our house for sale. And we prayed like many of us do when houses are listed for sale. Lord, help me sell my house, right? Like, uh, Lord, help us with this. And, and I'll be honest, I felt like I had a little bit of a more in to God because, I mean, we're going to start a church, right? I mean... It, <laughs> God should answer this prayer a little bit more than maybe somebody else because, you know, we're doing your thing, God. You're calling us. We're, we're following. So we listed our house, hoping to make a little bit of money on it still, and nothing. Crickets. Nothing selling. We had some good friends of ours um, that were also moving at the same time, a physician's family, and, uh, and they listed their house for sale. And wouldn't you know it? They didn't even need a realtor. Somebody else wanted the house. They were able to avoid those fees, and they sold their house like that and were able to move to, you know, to, to, to the new place. I'm thinking, here we are. How come, God, you're not answering our prayer? So we moved to Arizona, and, um, and, and now we had to find a place to rent. And so here we are trying to, you know, the church wasn't going to be launched for a year yet. We're raising money, and now we have a rent in one place. We have a mortgage back in Indiana. We've got bills on both places, utilities in both places, and praying, God, this is only so long we can do that. And a couple months pass, a year passes, 18 months we were in that situation until finally it sold, and we didn't even make any money on it at that point, and we were just so happy to be done with it. And then, uh, and then we were able to buy a new house at that time, and we were so excited about it, and it was 2008, and it was booming in, in Phoenix. The housing market was just going through the roof. It was fantastic. We got this great deal on a house, and you guys all remember what happened in 2008. Phoenix was one of the hardest-hit areas, and our house that we had over like $260,000 in, our neighbors were now selling that same house, bank foreclosures, $86,000. 
And we're just going, how in the world are we going to dig out of this hole? And what are we going to do? And it just felt like, God, we're trying to do your thing. I thought we had an in. You know, give. But you know what? God didn't answer prayers the way that we had anticipated. And yet we look back and we go, God, how did, did you provide? He provided for us throughout all that time and in different ways. And, and we don't know the full scope of what God intended, the people we met because of where we lived and the influence that we could have. But sometimes we get frustrated and we go, God, why? Why aren't you answering those prayers? Well, we're going to talk about how God answers those prayers. But first, I want to look at these, these five bold prayers and what prayer is. So let's pray. Let's do that because we're talking about prayer. Let's pray again and ask God to really um, open our eyes to what he has for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful ability for us that you have given us that we can pray, that we can talk to you. And so, Father, during this time right now, I pray that as we think about the needs in our life, things that we are asking you for, God, that you would bring those to the forefront today and that you would speak into those very situations through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the act of prayer itself is probably one of the most super, it's probably the most supernatural thing that we can do as believers, right? I mean, think about it. We are saying when we pray, we're speaking words, we're uttering words, or we're saying them in our heart and our spirit, believing that on the other side of that, there is a supernatural being. Am I right? So either we're absolutely crazy, and all we're doing is like folding hands and bowing our heads, and we're speaking to the air, and just it's kind of just makes us feel good, or we really believe that there is a God and a power that can transform us, that we can interact with, that we can make requests of. That's supernatural, supernatural communication. And when we think about prayer at its core, what prayer is, isn't just this thing where we rub the lamp of the genie and make just all of our requests, right? Prayer at its core is communication. It's conversation. It's talking. It's God desiring relationship with us. I mean, imagine in, in our homes as families, as parents, where we would say, you know what, I don't ever have to talk to my kids, right? I mean, I, they can either let me know what they want. Okay, let me know one way. Or, um, you know, I already know I'm going to provide everything. I'm just going to take care of it all. That's not the point. The point is I want relationship, and relationship through conversation, through, through two-way communication. Now, I've never heard audible voice from God myself, but I can tell you that God speaks, that God, God impresses in my heart, in my spirit, a, a nudge, a sense of, of what he's saying, or he confirms it in different ways. God speaks through his word to us. God speaks through worship. God speaks through the body of Christ, other people, as we, as we submit ourselves to him and and, and, and it's this two-way communication with God. We share with him, he shares with us, and at the heart of that is building relationship. And so the first part of prayer we have to realize isn't just what do we get from God, but that he wants to be in relationship with us. It's his presence that is what is so powerful. And when we do pray to God, though, and today I do want to talk about those prayers we pray to God for the needs that we have, the things that we want. At the core of that is that is that we have confidence in God, that we have trust in him, that we really believe that he can interact, that he can engage in our everyday life. And that's why we talked about miracles last week, that we can see the hand of God in ways and places that, that we can't comprehend in a natural way. And because we have that confidence, we can pray to God. Now, Jesus said some pretty powerful words in Matthew 21, 22. He said, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. I struggle with that verse at times because, again, just like we said earlier, sometimes we've prayed and we've had faith and did we receive it? Well, we need to look at Scripture in a bigger scope as well. Other things Jesus said, 
But like I said, in the end, I will tell you, God does answer every single prayer. And we're going to talk about how he does that. But first, now let's look at these five bold prayers. Five bold prayers for provision, all right? Let's go through these. And with each of these, each of these I'm also going to share a Bible story. And maybe you think um, in your own life, what is it that you might, how might you relate to this prayer? So the first one is this, help me, Right? said, these are easy. Two words. Help me. This is probably the most fundamental prayer that, the, that, that people who, who know God, people who don't know God have prayed this prayer, right? When we're in desperate situations, when there's danger, when we're in trouble, when we need rescue, when we're in harm's way, the simple prayer that just cries out to God, Lord, help me. Help me in this situation. You've heard of foxhole prayers, right? In the war, when you're in a foxhole, it's said that there are no atheists in foxholes. When you're fighting that battle, when you're in the front line and the bombs are flying and the bullets are grazing near you, these prayers, Lord, help me. Well, when I think about the Bible, I don't think of a foxhole prayer. I think of a den hole prayer. A den hole prayer is Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was in, was in exile. He was taken into captivity and, and in, into this Babylonian empire. And through God's blessing and grace and his faithfulness, he, he was wise and he was, uh, moved up the ranks in this, this foreign empire. To the point where the king at the time, King Darius, he wanted to make him, uh, put him in charge of the entire land of Babylon, the entire empire. Well, when that was the case, others in the, in the, in the kingdom and other leaders did not want Daniel to be in that position. And so they wanted to try to find a way to disqualify him so the king would not be able to put him in that role. But the Bible tells us in, in, in the book of Daniel that, that they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel, so they were going to have to try to find fault with his religion and with his faith. And so they went to, they devised this plan, and they go to the King Darius, and they say, King, make a decree that for the next 30 days, no one can pray to any other god but you. That you are the king, do no other gods that they can, that they can pray to, because they knew Daniel's faith and faithfulness. And as we read in Scripture, very, right away that next day, as Daniel heard this decree, he went home, as was his normal practice, and he goes home, and he has his windows open in his, in his house to Jerusalem, and he says he prayed three times a day to his God. He didn't hide. He didn't go in a closet. He didn't go anywhere else. He just went, and he prayed. And then what we read in Scripture, as this was happening, these men were observing, and we read in Daniel 6, verse 11, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and doing what? Asking God for help. He just went to God. God, help. I'm in an impossible situation. And this one came right as a challenge to his own faith. And this prayer of, this very prayer of asking God for help is what put him in danger even in that situation. And so they, they report back to the king what had happened. The king had made the seal. He can't go back on his word. And now the king is in anguish because he loved Daniel. And he wanted Daniel in this role. And so he had no other choice but to follow the orders and, he threw, and, and, and ordered him to be thrown into a pit, a den of lions. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> spending a night in a pit of lions... I mean, we hear the news of things that happen in zoos and, and cages and all those kinds of things, right? These weren't highly trained lions. These were lions to kill. And King Darius is just, he's, he's distraught, and he just basically says to Daniel, I, I pray that, that, that your God would save you, that we would keep you. They seal the, the den, and we don't read anything in Scripture until the next morning. What's going on in that place? I wish we had a firsthand documentation of what took place, but what actually took place was nothing. 
Nothing took place. The very next morning, the king comes, and he, he, he says, early in the next morning, he runs out there, and he wants to see, and he goes, and he calls out for Daniel. Daniel, are you there? Did your God save you? And, and here's how Daniel answered in verse 21. He says, long live the king. I'm sure those were, that was music to the king's ears. But here's what, how Daniel saw this. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. Wow. Only God. In a moment where help was needed, nothing else could have, you know, I don't think Daniel was trained as a, as a lion tamer. God protected him. It was through his power. And what was so neat is that became a, a testimony to the others around and to the king who even said, acknowledge, we need to acknowledge and, and respect and worship the God of Daniel. In verse 27, here's what he says, and I think this is for us as we're in times of help. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And I look at your own life and you go, what hole are you in? Have you ever gotten yourself in a hole? Have you ever gotten to that place where you can't get out, where it's called, help me, God? What are the lions that are looking to devour you? Places where you feel like, this is it, I'm going to be done. People who have it out for you in times where you're going, I need God's help. God, help me. And you crawl out and you cry out to God. If you ever read the Psalms, right, and go through the Psalms, Daniel was constantly calling out to God for help. He constantly felt under threat and under pressure. And in uh, Psalm 18, verse 6, he says this, But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Know that when you're in a desperate situation, this is a prayer that we should pray and have at the ready. God, help me. All right, you guys got that one down? You remember that one? Help me. Second prayer is this. Heal me. Heal me. In all my years of ministry, I'm coming up on 25 years, I have heard a prayer for healing and the requests for healing in the church probably outnumber any other prayer request, 10 to 1, 20 to 1. I, we, we ask for healing because I believe our physical bodies are one of the places we are reminded more than ever that we need healing and that we are in a natural place where, we're, where our limitations are met. And as much as we have great medicine and we rely on that and are thankful for that and those that are trained, we realize there are places and times that go beyond what our physical bodies can be healed from, our emotions, our mental state and, and challenges that we have in those places. We call out for healing. Some of us have chronic illnesses, debilitating Pain, constant pain where you're dealing with back pain or maybe you have mobility issues. And, and we know that when you're dealing with physical pain or mental pain, right, it affects your whole life. It's not just like I got a back pain, I go on with life. It affects all of us. And so we come to God and we ask for healing. When I think about the story in Scripture where a prayer for healing was called out, I think of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was a beggar. He's at the side of the road and Jesus is coming through, through Jericho. And we read the story in, in Mark chapter 10. And as Bartimaeus is there, he, he hears that Jesus is coming by. And, and from that place where he's blind and he can't see, he crawls out and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Right? He's just like, here's a hope. Jesus is coming by. Have mercy. This, this general request for mercy. Others around him are saying like, hey, be quiet. Be quiet. God, Jesus doesn't want to deal with you right now. He's got other fish to fry. He's got other things going on. And you know what he does? He says he cried out even louder. He shouted even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he asked him to come, come, bring him towards me. And this is what happens when, when he encountered um, Jesus in Mark 10, 51. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? 
Very specific question. What do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And we go, why did Jesus even have to ask? I mean, didn't Jesus already know? Wasn't it obvious? Jesus knows our needs. He knows things that we have going on, but he wants to know, do we know what we need? Are we aware of what we want? Do we want to make those requests to God? And he was very clear, and he said, I want to see. Verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He experienced a miraculous, amazing healing. I think of another story of healing. In the, the, we read about a woman in, that was bleeding for 12 years, chronic, and could not find healing. And, and again, Jesus is coming through a crowd as she sees Jesus in the crowd, and she's trying to make her way to Jesus and just reaches out and says she just touched the hem of his garment. In this crowd where everyone's pushing around and everybody is trying to get Jesus' attention, and, and Jesus steps back and he says, Who touched me? Right? Who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, you're crazy. There's people everywhere. Everyone's touching you, bumping around. What do you mean, who touched me? But here, this is who Jesus is and why we pray and reach out to Jesus. Verse 46, Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. The healing power of Jesus is still going out. And he's calling and looking for us to ask him and to come to him and to believe that there is power to heal and for God to change what, um, our circumstances. And in verse 48, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's this transformation that happened, this peace, this healing that she experienced. And I think about these areas in our lives, both, both, both physical and emotional, mental healing that, that, that we need to call out to God. What does the Bible tell us? What does it teach us? We read in uh, James 5.14. Let me ask you this question. Are any of you sick? We haven't seen any sickness these days, have we, in our world? Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. We're going to have an opportunity for that later in the service, because we believe in the power of praying together and asking God for healing. Or think about emo your emotional well-being, right? You're, you're anxious, you're stressed, you're dealing with anxiety, depression, all other emotional challenges that we have. I think about Philippians 4, 6 through 7. How do we deal with this? Do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation, what do we do? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This promise that God provides, that his peace will come, the healing will come. Help me, heal me. Another one that we need to pray, provide for me. That's the only three-word one. You know, provide for me, provide me, Lord, with what, you, what, what, what I need. This is a prayer for blessing, where we go, God, I, I'm in a desperate situation. I can't make ends meet. God, I need you to come through in a way that I can't provide for myself. Here I think of a story in, in Scripture in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah and the woman of, uh, of Zarephath. And she's this, this widow that God has told Jer Elijah, he said, go to this village and there you'll find this woman and she will provide food for you. And so Elijah's listening to, to God in that moment, and so he goes to this village, and he's at the gate, and there he sees a woman. She's picking up sticks and, and gathering them together to make a fire at home and, and you know, to cook with. And he calls out to her, and he asks her um, for, uh, here's what he said. It's, we read it in uh, 1 Kings 17, 12. Um, oh, wait, go back. Don't put that up. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. I, gotta, I didn't have this verse with me. He says to her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. So he goes out and he's saying, I'm trusting God. God told me that he would provide for Elijah. And so this woman's going to provide. And so he says, would you bring me a cup of water? Oh, and as she's going to get it, by the way, would you get me a bite of bread too? It seems like he asked the wrong woman for the day. <laughs> what he maybe didn't realize, but she was about to kind of go off on him here. She was a little bit stressed out. Here's what it says in 1 Kings 17, 12. This is her response. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. And you want me to give you some bread? <laughs> Right? I mean, like, you don't understand what kind of desperate situation I'm in here. This country has been in a drought. We've not been able to have provisions. I'm a widow. I'm not cared for. I'm just trying to get my son through. We're trying to stay alive. And guess what? Today is the day. It's over. This is our last meal, and it's done for. And you want me to provide for you. There isn't enough to go around. And Elijah tells her, don't be afraid. Do what God has told us to do. Go and make the bread. Go and do that. And she does. 1 Kings 17, 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. And so he's telling her, look, there's always going to be enough. God will provide. He will meet your needs. And so in that moment, she did it. She baked the bread. She made the provisions. And it says in verse 16, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord God promised through Elijah. I don't know how it happened. But she went back, and there was more oil. And she went back, and there was more bread, and just enough to keep her going until the time the drought ended. It was uh, some, some years ago, actually in our transition from where we lived in Arizona before coming here, that uh, we were between churches, and um, I'd had, had a severance from the previous church where I was at, and, and we knew the ending date of that severance. And so we were um, you know, hoping to, to maybe be in a different place or, or trusting God to provide, and the severance was ending, but we didn't know where we were going yet. And so we had been trying to save and put the finances together and we're kind of stressing out. I was stressing out as a provider for the family. What happens if I don't have an income come January 1 of that year? And January 1 came. We didn't have an income. We didn't have other jobs. And so I, would, I went, remember, like on my phone and then I would just kind of look at accounts and where we'd saved some money and what we put together and where we, we have access to what we need to do to bridge whatever time we have. And I had a total of that money there and going, okay, God, Make it last and provide. And uh, wouldn't uh, on, it happened right away on January 1st or the second, very first uh, couple days of the year, some friends of ours showed up with an envelope. And in that envelope was enough cash for us to pay our mortgage and beyond that first month. And it was like, wow, God. And then through other means and through other ways, whether it was through government help, whether it was through other grants, whether it was through people hearing about our need, whether it was through, through work and different ways that we found to, to provide income, I could keep track month after month to see where that total was. And I'm telling you, it barely moved the needle on that. And we were living as a family of six in Scottsdale, Arizona for almost six months. Wow, only God. It was really one of those moments where it felt like the oil didn't run dry, the flour didn't run empty, and God, you continue to provide. 
And in the end, I guess we wrap up full story on all the, all the pieces of which where God didn't seem to come through on our housing situation. He did at that time allowed us to sell a house with some gains and allowed us to move here. And again, we just, and I don't even know where this, the story's not done yet. I don't know. It just continues to unfold. But God's plan and his provision do come in so many different ways. Philippians 9.14 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will and God does provide. A fourth prayer, guide me, guide me. This is a huge prayer that we need to pray and we ask God to, to meet us in every day, right? We have so many decisions, so many decisions. We have lots of big decisions we face, small decisions. Our life is filled with decisions. I mean, you know, it's not that hard maybe to decide what to wear, although some of us can spend way too much time, right, standing at a closet full of clothes going, I've got nothing to wear, right? Ever been there? What to eat? But there are more important things. There are things that we go, God, how would you guide my life? Life-changing situations, places where we feel like it, we're at an impasse. It's a lose-lose situation. Some of us in, 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 in our workplaces, we're dealing with COVID and trying to navigate leadership and trying to make decisions, and you go, how do I do this? How do I handle this? Decisions in your family. What school for your kids? Maybe you're making a decision on college. Maybe you're trying to make a career decision. Maybe you're thinking about what to invest in or what house you're going you're gonna to live in. Who you're going to marry. So many major decisions that we face. How do we handle with this? Well, the prayer that says guide me is a prayer for wisdom. You're asking God, give me some ability to, to understand the situation, to, 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 to handle in a way that honors you and that follows your plan. And when I think about this, I think about King Solomon, who the Old Testament tells us was the wisest man that ever lived. He wrote, he wrote the Proverbs, and if you want to see wisdom, read the Proverbs every day. So much wisdom is found there. How did he get this wisdom? Well, after he, after he assumed the throne, he, he got all his leaders together, and he had a great moment of worship and a time of worship. And that night, it says this in, in 1 Kings 3, 7, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Do you see that theme here again? What is it you want? Get specific. What is it you need? What, where, where are you? And, and Daniel, uh, I mean, and uh, Solomon in this moment is thinking about all of what's going on, the responsibility that he has. Imagine assuming the presidency of the United States. Imagine assuming a, a significant leadership role like he had. And here's what he asked in verse 10. Give me wisdom and knowledge to lead these people properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? And what a humble position. God, I, I've got this huge responsibility. I need wisdom. I need guidance. Verse 11, God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested. And this is like awesome here. Jesus is, God is like, here's even more. But I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. I mean, an amazing promise. He gave him the wisdom, the wisdom to govern, the wisdom to lead, the wisdom to know how to handle these tough decisions. What decisions do you face? What places are you at where you go, God, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And not just in the big things, even in the small things. Just know that God is with you, and that, that simple prayer, God, guide me. God, guide me. So we look through these prayers, and we say, God, help me. Heal me. Provide for me. Guide me. 
And this last one is one of the most supernatural prayers we can ever pray. And anyone who has ever come to Christ and has a relationship with him comes to this simple two-word prayer, save me, save me. As we think about this, this prayer and as I think about this story, I, I think Jesus told the most beautiful story of the prodigal son. A son who, who abandons his father, and it's the this, this, this story that helps us understand our relationship from our heavenly father to, to us as his children. And here the son wants to go off and do his own thing and live his own life until he gets to a place where his life has been just gone off track. And he realizes the severed relationship with his father, the loneliness that he's facing, and, and, and it says that he came to his senses. There's this moment where he came to his senses where he's like, I, I need to go back to my father. I gotta go home where things are good, where God can take care, where, where my father can take care of me. And so he says, I'm gonna go back to him and I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. And here's what it says in verse Luke 15, 18 to 19. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. That's the prayer, save me. God, I'm not worthy. I've sinned. I've messed up. I need to be restored in relationship with you. And so he makes that decision to go back home. And here's the response of the father. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. We see this restoration, that God honors this prayer of being saved, and that this father just loves him and embraces him and restores him, as we see in the rest of that story. That God honors that prayer, save me. When we call out to him, and we need that transformation, God says, yes, I will respond. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? They will be saved when you call out on the name of the Lord. So here, there we have it, the five prayers. Can you remember them? You've probably prayed them a different time in your life, haven't you? Help me, heal me, provide for me, guide me. I think I'll switch those around, right? And save me. Those are the five prayers that, are, that, that we can pray, evoking the name of God and asking for his help. But now you might go, okay, well, God doesn't answer all those prayers. I've prayed some of them. He hasn't come through. Do you know God answers every single prayer that we pray? He answers every single prayer that we pray. You know what God answers, God's answers are? You've no, you might know this, right? <laughs> yes, no, and not yet. All three are God's answers to prayer. We only think it's God's answer to prayer when it's in that one category, right? It's only an answer to prayer if he answered yes. If he didn't answer yes, he did not answer our prayer. But again, think about a parent-child relationship. As a parent, is every one of our answers yes to our kids' requests? We could grant just about every request. We could do so much. But if my, you know, uh, almost 13-year-old this week, 13 years old, Annika, she says, hey, I want to take the car out and go for a drive. It'd be fun. No. I did not answer her request, right? And the answer is not just no. It's just not yet. And so we have these different answers. Yes is great. When we receive a yes, it's a miracle. It's a powerful thing. We want to share that with the world. We want to give God the glory. We want to thank him for that. And God does give us yes prayers. But as the Bible reminds us, we pray in accordance to God's will. Not my will be done, but yours. And when those line up, and when the heart and the compassion of God sees, this is a moment that, that is for the best of my child, he will grant that. He's a father who gives good gifts. But so many of the answers are no. They're not good for you. It's not what's best for you. It's not what's part of the plan. There's a bigger picture going on than your story. You're part of a bigger story of others around you, of what's going on in the world, and we will not know. God's wisdom is beyond ours. 
We don't always understand, and sometimes we just have to sit with the no and say, that is God's answer, and the answer is no. We may not like it, and we may not understand it, but it is still an answer, and we have to trust God and his sovereignty in those situations. And of course, the answer not yet will, might feel like a no right now, and we don't know if it's a not yet. But sometimes that answer is not yet, and we look back and go, it didn't happen then, but it happened here. So much of the Bible teaches us that, that God is also teaching us a dependence on him and a relationship with him. Isn't it funny that when we pray and we need something, we'll come to God all the time, we'll pray, we're in relationship with him, we're praying to him, as soon as we get that yes answer, we're done. <laughs> Until the next problem. And maybe we just need to learn to stay more connected, and God is teaching us that relationship, that dependence. But he's also seeing in us that not yet means there's still some development that needs to happen. There's still something you're enduring and, and developing perseverance and building character, as the Bible tells us. And we don't know what God is planning for us, but we, again, accept that, that God has answered and does answer all of our prayers. Well, this morning, we don't just want to talk about prayer. We want to pray. We have prayed. And we want to create some space here for us to, to close out our time today in prayer. And we're going to have a couple, band that the, the worship, a couple songs that the worship team is going to lead us through. And I want you to think about these five prayers. Which one of these five prayers is one that you need to hear today? One that you need to raise to God today, where you need to hear from God. And as we read about that, that we have this confidence that we come before God and that we make these requests to God and that he's faithful to answer them. That if we need prayer for healing, come, to, come and, and, and allow us to anoint you for healing. We have these prayer areas that, that are to my left and to my right. There's some candles there. There's places to write down prayer requests. And maybe you light the candle and you say, God, heal me. Or God, save me. God, provide for me. I need it. You make that request known to God. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. We want to pray with you. And so in, this, in these next few moments, as we sing these next few songs, we just want you to create um, a space of prayer that you bring those requests to God. And so if you need to come, maybe you want to come and kneel at the front and just make that an act of bowing and praying. Maybe you want to be seated. If you want to be anointed for healing, come and sit over here in the front, and I would love to pray with you. Or come back in one of our prayer areas. Our pastors are there, others that would love to pray with you. We want to create a space where we lift these requests to God and ask for the supernatural presence of God to come and to guide and to provide you with what you need. Let's make this a space of prayer now. Heavenly Father, your word says wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there among them. God, we've gathered in your name and your spirit is here with us today. Both in this place and those joining online, God, we unite in prayer and through your spirit. And so God, I don't know what the needs are, but I know that among these five prayers, there are needs that we need to raise and lift. And so God, we bring them to you today and we ask for your supernatural intervention. We ask for your presence. Because more than anything else, it's your presence that we need and long for. In Jesus' name, amen.